0: Hi, this is Cameron. And I'm Jorge Luis. Today we have a special guest with us, Robbie Watson. He's sharing with us some of his experiences and knowledge about community development. So let's start now.
1: Hopecast. Learning about the life and mission of education equals hope.
0: Welcome to the Education equals Hope Hope cast I'm Cameron Graham Vivanco and I'm Jorge Luis Rodriguez. I'm the co-founder of equals H and the director of the program in Ecuador and I am the coordinator of teams and training for equals H in Ecuador as well. everyone say it with me Education equals hope exists to provide for the education of those in desperate and difficult situations and the hope for this this podcast is to keep you our dear listeners, supporters, Friends, partners in ministry, informed as to what is happening here in Ecuador. I love that long list of people because we want to keep everyone <laughs> informed. Absolutely. And we want to educate. We do. There's the formal education of going to school and then there's the informal education of podcasts. Right. I right. get most of my education <laughs> podcast From podcasts these, these days. It's awesome. And today... We have someone who's going to help us with that. We're super excited to welcome Robbie Watson to the show. Thank you. Robbie, my kids asked yesterday, mommy, why is his name Robbie? Does he rob things? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, no, it's like your father. His name's Robert or Roberto. Oh, yeah. It was a good teaching moment.
1: Yeah. I used to go by Rob and thought that there probably aren't many names in the English world that are verbs and also crimes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and I had this very unique name.
0: <laughs> so, so you decided that, to add a syllable? So,
1: yeah, I'll, I'll go by something else, not you know, not a criminal offense. That'd be great.
0: Well, well, done. well welcome to the show. Uh, Thanks for right? not being a yeah. criminal.
1: <laughs> yeah, happy to not be a criminal.
0: And, and I'm assuming that means he's also happy to be here,
1: right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, also. Yeah. Great. Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> um, so Robbie, we're going to let you introduce yourself, uh, but I'm just going to do one quick shout out before great. then. Robbie has a beautiful wife named Steph, who has become a dear friend of mine, and they have three children, um, and they are part of the Elder Fukio world. But you tell us more about that. Who are you? How'd you get here and why did we want to have you on the
1: show? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, first of all, I am a human being. Um, <laughs> Congratulations.
0: Not yes, an alien. Thanks.
1: That's a very important distinction. Um, no, uh, I, yeah, so just preliminarily, uh, Robbie Watson, we've been in Ecuador for about a year and a half now. Um have three kids. Ivy is five and a half. Oh, gosh, coming on six this summer, which is a strange and scary thing. Iona, our middle child, um, was born in Scotland. Mm-hmm. More on that later. Um, she is three and a half, and our son was born here. His name is Shepard, and he is five months old now and somehow. He
0: is so cute and happy. Oh, my He word.
1: smiles at everyone. If you just look at him, he will smile at you. <laughs>
0: Yes, which is a good thing that we want to encourage him. I heard that you were discouraging him to do no, more No. no. smiles. <laughs>
1: it was just strange. None of our uh, the girls did not smile that much. It's it's strange to see a child so smiley. so
0: happy. Yeah. It's just all the love.
1: I'm not angry about it. Okay, I'm good. Yeah. Okay.
0: So you got to Ecuador. Where were you before Ecuador?
1: Um, so a couple of years after. I mean, here's the brief timeline. A couple of years after, Steph and I were married in 2011. We moved to Rwanda, and we lived in Kigali, and I worked in a refugee camp for Congolese refugees. She worked in a bakery, um, which was a support to the ministry, but also a training place for uh, women in poverty Um, in the city. Um, We spent a couple years there. We did a year back in the States. We were in where our first daughter, Ivy, was born. And I worked in a couple school districts in the Chicago area for a year. Uh, Then we went to Glasgow, Scotland for a year Mm -hmm, and a half, mm -hmm. where I studied community development. I have a master's in education and community development. Yes, very exciting. Aha,
0: the reason he's on the (laughs) show. (laughs) Yes,
1: more on that later. Um, And then we were in the States for about a year trying to figure things out um, when our friend Jim, well, actually, when we were in Glasgow and I was in the middle of writing my dissertation, Jim started emailing me, He's thinking, I don't know what you guys have after you're in Scotland, but, you know, think about Ecuador, and we're like... I'm so busy Right, like, email me in three months when I'm done with this big project. And he did, because leave it to Jim Olson to, like, put something on a list and get back to it months later. Um, So that started a conversation, and after a number of things fell through, um, we decided to take a trip to Ecuador and see what happened. Mm -hmm. And things falling through being like, oh, this job looks great, I'll apply to it. And then I'd get an email like oh, that job doesn't exist anymore, or we lost funding, or we're revamping the program, like the jobs didn't exist. Not that huh. I was rejected, they didn't exist anymore. So after a few of those, it was like, oh, let's check out Ecuador.
0: Seems like God <laughs> might be yeah, directing our steps. Might,
1: might, might be a few movements in that direction. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Way to go, Holy Spirit, thank you. Shout out. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, so interesting time figuring that out. But then we, um, yeah, spent... The rest of that year, 2019, fundraising and being with family, and then, gosh, it was four hours before the year turned to 2020, we landed in Costa Rica to begin language school there. We were there until, you know, through the depths of quarantine and the start of the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, until September when we reached our, you know, desired level of Spanish uh, knowledge and were able to move here mm-hmm. to Ecuador. So yeah, that was September 2020
0: in the midst of full pandemic. Right, Crazy fun times. Yeah, um, glad we're starting to come near. Maybe, maybe who knows? Ecuador. <laughs> yeah. And the world, anyway. And, yes. But you guys got here and mm-hmm. got settled, and you were hired or recruited to do community development work. At Calacali in, in yes. Arofugio, yeah. um, which is in a place called Calacali, Ecuador. Mm-hmm. And uh you and I have had some really fun conversations along the way about mm-hmm. how important education is in community, community development. Um do you have any stories that would highlight uh highlight that?
1: Yeah. Um yes. And can you yes. share them with us? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes they're, they're there. Oh, you wanted to hear them. Oh Great. yeah, sorry. Um yeah, so one of my main jobs in, well, I, yeah, like my main job in Rwanda was working in a refugee camp for Congolese refugees. And we, our organization was partnered with a commu- like refugee-led community organization. Um, there's a French well, it's Af- acronym JCM. Um, which stands for French things that I'm not going to uh, try uh, to pronounce. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, th- if there's a language that destroys my uh, ability to say things, that's it's French. Um,
0: it's his kryptonite. We found yeah, it. that
1: is, it's <laughs> brutal. Um, but French was one of the many languages spoken in the refugee camp. And um, it was re- led by a gra- guy named Grodia, um, who's still a good friend of mine. He's still in Central Africa. Um, but he was the leader of this group that ran a library um, that or- our organization helped build. And it was just a big brick room with a like a partition and then a bunch of donated books. And mm-hmm. most of them were in English. So part of my job, too, was trying to get as many um, books in French and Kinyarwanda and Swahili as possible. Um, but they, out of the library, they had like three or four levels of English classes. They Mm. had um secondary school teachers use the space and check out books. They had art classes and a young women's group. Um just a bunch of different ministries and educational programs out outside of this this one building and a bunch of volunteers that were very dedicated to Seeing the communities transformed and understood the problems in the refugee camp and and had a vision for what could be different and, mm-hmm. and we're working towards that. Yeah. Um, so that's just overall background there on 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 the 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 group. My job was to help them do what they did, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they pulled me in to teach them uh, classes every once in a while, but mainly it was the refugees themselves who ran the programs, who started the programs, who oversaw everything. And
0: and they saw the need for a library and education. And that mm-hmm. was one of the first things. So yeah, th- absolutely. So they're living in a refuge. How many people are in the camp? 20,000,
1: around 20,000, 18, 20,000 people in this one That's camp. That's
0: much bigger than a lot of cities. I know, <laughs> yeah.
1: but there's one of, I want to say five camps for Congolese refugees in Rwanda. Mm -hmm. And when we were there, there was a political unrest in Burundi. So 100,000 people came over from Burundi. So there's a lot of refugees Mm
0: -hmm. in Rwanda. And this is one of the main things that they wanted to see happen for their benefit.
1: Yeah, it was actually we... um, Yeah, we were in a meeting... Gosh, like, early in our time with uh, this interim director, UN director of the camp, um, who had seen what the community group was doing and what we were doing with them. And he wasn't there for very long. Otherwise, I think more could have happened in this regard. But he asked us, like, can you do what you're doing in all the refugee camps in mm-hmm. Rwanda? Like, we like educational programs like this. Like, let's start libraries and everywhere. We never did, but...
0: Mm. So but what did you see? What did you see come out of that?
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, it it was a difficult thing I will say because um, there wasn't, and this is something that our friend Garodia, who led the program, who was a very educated man, um, would say often was there's not a culture of reading mm-hmm. in the camp, mm-hmm. and that wasn't just a, it wasn't a cultural thing that people would read for pleasure or to know m- more things, learn more things. Um, so it was a, a struggle to see. Um, the library filled with people. So we would have special events to get people involved in you know, learning a new skill or entrepreneurship training or art classes or whatever it was, and that um, created outlets for people to use the library on a regular basis. Um, the There's one teacher in the secondary school who really loved what we were doing, um, and he would bring his students down to the library and would... Like, I, I remember him, like, sitting all the students down and, like, going back to where the books were and grabbing a bunch of books. And he was like, look at this, guys. Look at these ones. you, you got to check these out. You know, read this. Everyone read this. And he it was, it was really excited about, like, the the, the opportunities and the, and the educational possibilities that were there in the library and trying to encourage the students to, to use it as, as much as possible. And we did see students, um, young men and women who would just come and – Open a book and learn something. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, a lot of the young kids like books with lots of pictures, like Guinness Book of World Records, because um, there's you know strange and yeah. funny things in there. But there would be students who would come almost every day and try to improve their English by like working through a novel and taking oh. notes. And so it was, it was, it was a difficult process, but it was encouraging to see the steps that were being made. Now that we imagined all twenty thousand people would come through the library. Um, but it, just to see the starts of, of that kind of engagement in, in learning outside of a, of a school structure was, mm-hmm. was very cool. Uh, I will tell, though, about a friend, Oscar, who started his own secondary school. <laughs> Um, and this is, yeah, if you're looking at community development as an education experience, like this is, this is one of the great examples in the camp. Um, Oscar and a handful of other young men and women from the camp were supported by the UN to go outside of the camp. To a boarding school to finish secondary education Mm -hmm. as there was no like the last three years of secondary school were not offered in the camp so parents had to pay but nobody had any money in the refugee camp so it was like this one in a million chance of well one in several thousand chance of (laughs) um, getting selected to go to a a school outside of the camp to finish the last year three years of, Hmm. of secondary school of high school so it was a very small population that, that did this. And one of the problems we saw was, um, you know, kids 12, 13, 14 years old just dropping out of school because they could never finish. They could never get a full certificate in the, school, in the, in the camp. Mm-hmm. They could never finish their education. Um, so they, just, they were like, what's the point?
0: So what's the point of even going as far as I can? Because right. I can't go past Absolutely. this limit, which isn't the whole thing.
1: Absolutely. Okay. So a lot of kids dropping out, which created a lot of issues with – youth delinquency, you know, if you're not engaged in something positive, you're doing something else, and that may not be positive. Um, so that there was a lot of problems with the youth that, that the refugees themselves identified, um, and education was a way to hopefully combat that. Um, so Oscar, back to Oscar, he was supported to attend um, the last three years of secondary school with a group of other students, um, and when they came back to the camp, they immediately thought... Let's start our own school Mm. to finish. So our brothers and sisters and everyone else in the camp has this opportunity as well. Um, And the, like, the government organization and the UNHCR, like, everyone was like, no, 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 no. We can't have refugees just starting schools here. (laughs) Um, So they, like... Even though Oscar and his friends tried, there was a lot of pushback. And then the UN said, hey, your guys' grades were good enough to go to university, so leave the camp again and go to a university in another town in Rwanda three hours away and or um, more than three hours away. Yeah, it's quite a ways. Anyway, go to another university and, and you know, have a degree. So Oscar and this other group of students mm-hmm. got sent to this other university, were there for a few years. Oscar got a degree, I believe, in economics, so mm-hmm. he has a bachelor's degree. He Actually, is now in the States. He was supported to do a master's degree in New England and mm-hmm. now is married and lives in Texas, I believe, still. Yeah. Huh interesting anyway um but while he was there he so he did his degree came back to the camp same group of students now with the university's degrees say we are now even more equipped than ever to start a school (laughs) in the camp let's start a school to finish the last three years of of secondary education and there was still pushback but it was successful this time And, Mm. and they had a group of like this, this group that was supported to, to do university all signed up to volunteer as teachers, and they used their contacts and churches and um, with the UN to use classroom space. So they were using, there's like, yes, these like, you know, 17, 18 year olds sitting in desks and chairs for kindergartners, but those were the things that were available to them at the time when they first started. So they were using some classroom space there. They were using an old church building. They were um, using the library as well. Um, But they were, it was totally volunteer. They had no materials, Mm -hmm. they had no money. It was just, I know how to teach math, so I'm going to teach math I know how to teach history so oh, we're gonna teach history we're gonna read these books that are in the library and we'll teach literature and it was using what they had and they, they did have a uh, partnership with a school in the nearby town of um, Kibuye that they would walk like several kilometers through mountainous terrain um, to this other town to pick up textbooks and then, like, walk back mm. and, like, borrow them for a few weeks and then walk them back down to return them and get a new batch. So there was – it was just, like, this incredible drive with absolutely nothing. Mm. And it was fascinating to see and, and to see – Um, that kind of agency and, and initiative within Mm -hmm. a a community that most people look at and go, you know, they've got nothing going for them and they can do nothing for themselves. So let's give them food, let's give them housing, let's give them schools. But, you Mm -hmm. know, but to, Mm -hmm. to, see that initiative within the group itself was incredible. Um, so there were, like I said, some pushback to this, um, and there was a government official, a local official, who said something along the lines of, "If you don't shut the school down, I will come back here and start arresting people," which is kind wow. of absurd. Yeah. Um. But so we, as an organization, um, tried to come alongside as much as possible in whatever way we could to help the this this little school. So at one point, we did buy through donations, piles and piles of um, of school supplies, papers and notebooks and pens and pencils and things for the students. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and I remember when we were dropping that stuff off, it's um, Oscar's face of just like, it's just I mean, I just saw in his face and his smile the possibilities now, like you don't have to struggle mm-hmm. to pull these – these things together but like here's the materials that
0: reminds me of of just the more micro privilege we've been talking about that and Mm -hmm. uh, and with teams and such but Mm
1: -hmm. just
0: how often um, a conversation about privilege is based on race or education or gender issues but that micro privilege of you have a piece of paper Mm -hmm. and it makes a big difference if you have a piece of paper and a pen or pencil Yeah, Um, it sounds like Oscar was uh, really appreciative of that
1: yeah and Actually, on that point, so the, the school started out as, again, volunteer, but they wanted to be able to buy things. They wanted to be able to, you know, have pens and paper as they needed them. Um, so they, they were asking the families of the students to give a 1,000 francs a month, I think it was, which is, I mean, it's like a buck and a half. Right? Uh-huh. Um, so a 1,000 francs a month, and here are these families with, next to nothing, but they were able to scrape together a 1,000 francs a month. Mm-hmm. And so it was a wonderful and very inspiring to see these families with nothing to say, yes, education is this important that we are going to pull together whatever resources we have to see that our student finishes school.
0: And this impacted you mm-hmm. to make your next next life move? Is that...
1: Yeah, I think that it got to a point where I loved what I was doing and I could see the changes that were happening in the community and how people rallied around this, this school idea and, and gave sacrificially to make sure it happened. Um, and it got to a point where I was like, I love this work. I need to know what I'm doing more. <laughs> so that, that brought me to wanting to study community development and, um, and and education and so that that's what ultimately brought us to leave um rwanda and brought us to glasgow Mm
0: -hmm. to get to get that master's in
1: yeah mm -hmm. education
0: and community Mm -hmm. development yeah um and which eventually gets you to Ecuador and and what we're going to talk about right. in the next show. So That's thanks great. for thanks for laying that groundwork. Mm-hmm. If you want to be a part of Education Equals Hope, please go to org, Find that Donate Now button. Um, all the micro scholarships that we're able to give come from people like you. So thanks for being a part of it. We'd love to invite you. We do invite you to be a part of it and continue to do that. Thank you. Thank you. And bye. Ciao.